Welcome to On Podcast, the On Microsoft Podcast. We talk about Microsoft stuff on a podcast. Uh, today, we are joined by uh, an awesome guest uh, who's got his own channel, and he's going to be talking about all kinds of Windows stuff, uh, probably about mostly about himself, but about the channel. And we're going to try to dig into some old Windows history because uh, he is a cornucopia of that kind of stuff. So, uh, without further ado, we would like you guys to welcome our guest. Yeah, so uh, as we as Kareem said, we have uh, Hugh here from Windows on Windows, and Hugh is uh, quite popular in the Windows community. Everyone knows who this guy is because he does a lot of awesome videos over on his YouTube channel about the history of Windows and all those fun, fun quirky facts that people look for. If you want to know about Windows, Hugh knows about it, and his channel is uh, quite popular. He has over about 10,000 subscribers. I believe he hit the 10,000 and Mark the other week, so congrats, to, congrats yeah, to him on that. Uh, I've been a long-time follower, and I'm so glad that we finally have him here on the podcast. Yeah, uh, I mean, you can see him through his background, too, but he's a huge Windows fan. <laughs> yeah, so thank you for having me, and yeah, we, we passed 10,000 recently, which is like, when I started the channel, I would never have imagined that that many people were that interested in Windows, but clearly, I mean, that's good, right? Clearly, it's not just me. <laughs> Especially like the development and the history is really fascinating. So, yeah. And all that said, uh, our first question, we always like to ask our guests about their personal story and how they get to where they got to they are today. And everyone knows you as Windows on Windows and Hugh, but could you tell us a little bit about your yourself and your story and how you became a Windows fan? I can. So um, so, so the, the YouTube channel I started about 10 years ago and and, and it wasn't until very recently, so I mean earlier on this year, that I actually sort of let people know about me. It was all just about Windows. And I mean, for example, I've only shown my face in videos since this summer. So before that, it was just my voice. And, you know, so people didn't know what I looked like. I never gave my name out anywhere. So it's only very recently that I've kind of started opening up. So usually I'm quite private in my personal life. So I like to keep certain things to myself but yeah so anyway my, so I, my name is Hugh when I started the channel I was using my uh, username which was Major Sky 17 so a lot of people will still call me Major Sky 17 or know me as that you know speak, especially people that have been following the channel for a long time then in about 2014 I rebranded the whole channel to Windows on Windows so now people that I've been watching since then will probably know me as Windows on Windows I've really not made this easy for myself and then very recently in the last few months then i've gone into you know my actual name so yeah my name is hughes <laughs> uh it's an english name but i spell it maybe a little bit strangely because it's a welsh spelling because i'm from wales so i spell it h-u-w but it's just the same as h-u-g-h that people will probably be more familiar with so yeah i'm originally from wales which is a country in the uk i live in england at the moment which is obviously probably the most famous part of the uk um i was I'm 31, I was born in 1990, so I mean, my childhood consisted of Windows 98 Second Edition mainly, uh, which we had on our first computer, and I broke it like a lot. Like, <laughs> but it was so easy to break, so I broke it all the time. And obviously, my parents hated me for that, but it was really to like mess around with Windows. So is 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 breaking things the reason why you're so into Windows? Because that's how personally that's how I learned about Windows so much. I took my family PC and I played around with it until I learned what is a start menu, what is the taskbar, what does command prompt do. So are you one of those tinkerers who just played with computers until you found your way around, like self-taught per se? Definitely self-taught. Yeah. So I mean, apart from doing. I did some computing as part of my school, schoolwork, right. but that's more things like you, you know, like using Microsoft Office, or using Excel, or using Word, making PowerPoints and stuff. But the actual tinkering in Windows, yes, that's all basically self-taught. And I mean, like you said, you can learn so much from breaking stuff, like yeah. especially technology. So yeah, I think I learned a lot just from messing around, you know, like going into the Windows folder and seeing like, what is this thing? What happens if I delete this? And yeah. Well, that, as you can probably imagine, I was you know, like my parents were you know, not not happy about this at all. So yeah, we definitely had to like reinstall Windows a good few times. <laughs> so your your Windows on Windows. What is your favorite Windows version? We also ask everyone that who appears on our show, what is your favorite Windows version, and what is your favorite Microsoft product? 
I'm going to guess Windows 8. Yeah. <laughs> favorite Windows version? That's a common question, but actually, favorite Microsoft product? That's a good question. So I'm, I'm assuming you mean apart from Windows, not including Windows. Yeah. We could see your shelf in the background. You have a lot of awesome Microsoft stuff there. You have Windows, yeah. M- so Windows ME box or a Bill Gates book, book yeah. there. Again, this is all stuff that's kind of transpired only in the last few months. So from when I've been showing my face on webcam on streams and stuff, yeah, I've got a few things just to put in the background to make it a little bit more. <laughs> so you've got a Windows 98 box. These are all things that they're not original ones that I owned. They're just ones that I bought online. So yeah, Windows 98 got Windows 3 as well, which I haven't actually opened yet. I'm still waiting, like I'm aiming to do an unboxing video on that. I've got some <laughs> books that people recommended to me, like, you know, about Bill Gates and the history of Microsoft, and there's one that goes into detail about Windows 1 and how that came about. So, yeah, it's fascinating. Um, I've, well, I've actually forgotten what you asked me. What did you ask me? Sorry. What was my favorite your, Windows? Windows one? Your so, favorite Windows and your favorite Microsoft product. Yeah. Two so, questions. Yeah. So, favorite Windows really common question on the channel i would i would say i'm going to kind of cheat a little bit this too so windows 98 se just because that was the first version that i had on my first computer at home so that's the one that is like really nostalgic for me that's my childhood one and like i said broke loads of time um, you know really enjoyed using and then i think windows 7 just because i think for me personally that was like the pinnacle of windows uh, that's probably a controversial opinion, but I think after Windows 7, like obviously with the whole Windows 8 w- w- was a complete like overhaul on this, wasn't it? It was so drastically different to anything that had been, in, you know, Windows had been like before. And I think after that, Microsoft haven't really managed to get quite back, I don't think, to Windows 7 standard of Windows. That might be a controversial opinion, but I'm not sure. So, no, yeah. I think a lot of people agree with you, actually. So I've got two favorite. So Windows Seven. I mean, I was still using Windows Seven until maybe a, literally a couple of years ago. And uh, I mean, I had used Windows Ten when it first came out, but I think after a few years of using Windows Ten, I kind of got a little bit, I don't know, just a bit fed up. It seemed to be not really progressing very much. I don't know right. such, like the, it, obviously, it, it was a bit weird because we were used to having new versions of Windows every two or three years, right? Up until then, so we're used to having like new user interfaces, new features. With Windows 10, it felt like, to me, it was just getting a little bit stale, because obviously it was the same user interface, same, you know, it was the same operating system, essentially, six years. So, um, yeah, anyway, look, I'm, dra- I'm digressing again. I, I literally, <laughs> me talking about Windows, I will not stop. So, yeah, sorry, I might go off topic. So, coming back to your actual question, favorite Microsoft product? Okay, apart from Windows, I think, and I've thought about this a lot, but no one's ever asked me, I think it would be Microsoft Office, but specifically, Microsoft Office 97, because again, to me, that's really nostalgic. So that's the version we have on our Windows 98 PC. And obviously, with old versions of Office, you get the Office Assistants that I know, like, kind of the... <laughs> Clippy! Everyone loves Clippy. <laughs> They're still popular, aren't they? Like, But even, like, kids now that would never have used the Office Assistants, they, like, know them, like, they're in their psyche, aren't they? Like, they're, like, so popular. One of those retro things that everyone loves, like Clippy, yeah, so... I mean, my favorite was always the dots. I don't know about you. It was the dot that I yeah. to use. That would just hide in and out of documents? <laughs> yeah. So, well, it's was... weird because sometimes a joke will last long enough for it to be cool again. So you get all, <laughs> you get, oh, I'm just saying, you get like people who made fun of the dog, who hated it, who, same thing for Clippy, and now you're getting a renaissance where it's like it comes back around to where it's kind of, you know, people will buy sweaters and things like that with it on it. So it, you know, it, it went through its life cycle. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? It's just a niche thing that has just come back. And obviously, Clippy is now an emoji in Windows 11. Yeah. Well. And in Teams as well. Yeah, he's all over the place now. No, yeah, I love it. Uh, he may be more popular than Cortana, uh, which was <laughs> short oh, so to speak, you know, relatively speaking. I kind of want to ask you just, I know we have some other questions, but I kind of want to go back to when you were saying that uh, uh, Windows 10 kind of felt stale for a little bit. Uh, do you would you be in favor of Microsoft going back to the two, three year refresh cycle where they could like, I don't know, I don't know, maybe do a smaller beta for for insiders and stuff, but you know, have the big numbered release with marketing behind it. I mean, personally, I think so. 
I think I would prefer that. But I mean, there's probably again like an element of nostalgia because I'm so used to that being the way that it's always worked. I mean, it's been. I mean, for example, late '90s. I mean, Windows versions were coming quite quickly, wouldn't they? You had '98, and then you had '98 SE the year after. Then it was, you know, Windows 2000, Windows ME, Windows XP. All of those versions, of Windows came out within two, three years of each other. But since around Vista, it's been every three years, right? So yeah, I mean, I think there's an element of nostalgia. But, and I think um, we're going to talk about this later. The Windows Insider program it kind of ties into because I think with the Insider program, that's great because I think it's great. You know, it gives people the chance that are fans of Windows to actually be involved in its development and to influence how it's being developed. But I think there's a trade-off, isn't there? Because with the Insider program, you have then you have lots of people giving lots of feedback, and I wonder whether maybe that means that Microsoft themselves are doing less testing internally. So it seems like that. There's been a few kind of controversial Windows 10 updates, haven't there? Like that have been deleting people's files and other things going on. So it makes me wonder whether maybe I think before they switched this idea of Windows as a service, when it was a big release every two, three years, I think maybe I feel that was better just because I'd imagine Microsoft themselves were doing more internal testing. So it felt like when you actually got the big release, it was more it was more rounded, like it was more tested, more complete, there were, you know, less big problems, if that makes sense. Yeah, no. And like you said, we'll circle back around this, but we just want to kind of get some of these other more, um, you know, get to know you kind of questions out of the way first. And I think the next one is, uh, what's your background, if you don't mind sharing? Um, okay, yeah, so so background. I mean, I'm not sure what um, so, so, like I said, I'm from Wales, Britain. Um, I mean, I I just did lot qualifications. I was always really interested in science. So then, um, when I went to uni, I studied physics, which was I mean, it, that was so hard. I mean, you can probably imagine it was really hard. And I wasn't one of those people that was like naturally really good at physics and maths. So I had to you know I really had to concentrate and you know teach myself a lot. Some people that I was that I was. Um, that were doing my degree at uni, like really good at it, just naturally. I have to work so hard. So yeah, it was really hard. Uh, but I was interested, so I think that carried me through. And I had lots of very intelligent friends as well that really helped me with, uh, you know, getting through physics. So got my physics degree. Then I went into. I I always knew since I was a child that I wanted to be a teacher. So then I went into teaching. So I've had quite a simple kind of simple upbringing really. I just went, you know, like I said, straight to school, straight to university. I didn't even have a job until I started teaching, like not even a part-time job. So it was just really simple, really. So yeah, I started teaching in 2011 and I've been doing that ever since. It's the only job, basically. Do you always teach with your Windows 98 shirt on? <laughs> uh, that is a great question. I don't. I actually, so this comes back to what I was saying earlier about being kind of private. I keep that part of, I keep the whole YouTube channel thing separate. So I don't think anyone that I teach knows about my YouTube channel unless they're as interested in Windows as we are. They might just you know, go and find me. But yeah, I've never, it's never come up in conversation. I don't wear the Windows shirt. This is <laughs> for uh, streams and podcasts for the channel. So, yeah. You have to be like Michael MJD and never ever show your face and be anonymous the whole time. I thought about it. Like, I think that's what I was going for, you know, for most of the history of the channel. Because, I don't know, pri like, privacy is a big thing, isn't it? And you just, you worry about what might happen if you show your face. But then I was just kind of thinking, you know, what's the worst someone could do? Maybe, like, make a really horrible meme about me. But then why? Because <laughs> I'm not that popular anyway. It's not like, you know, I've got millions of followers. But, yeah. Well, I mean, just like we said about five minutes ago, it'll come back around. So, like, in 10 years, you'll be, you'll be on a shirt somewhere. People will be like, oh, I got this shirt at Hot Topic. And, I love this guy. Yeah, which would be fine. Yeah, like Bob Ross. <laughs> yeah, as long as it was a nice shirt, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> but uh, that said, uh, can we get into the fun stuff, which is these unreleased versions of Windows? I know this was something that my co-host uh, Kareem wanted to ask about, and he wanted to know, can you cover the unreleased uh, Neptune and how it eventually shaped the Windows 8? Now I know you did. A, I know you did a whole video on it, so yeah. you know we'll we'll tell our audience. Don't leave this podcast just yet. But when it's <laughs> over, go watch his video because it's it's super enlightening. I just uh, I would like to hear from you, uh, and you know maybe a shortened version for everyone who's listening. 
Yeah, of course. Actually, the, I mean, the, the Neptune video, that was one of the first videos I did. So, I mean, it, the first videos I did, I'm, I'm not a fan of. I, I think I, it took me quite a long time, I think, to refine the art of doing the videos. I think at the beginning, I wasn't really taking it very seriously. So, yeah, the Neptune video, I mean, it's great, but I think it's a little bit too long. It could do a bit of tightening up. So I might come back to that in the future. But yes, in a nutshell, Windows codename Neptune, it's a really famous unreleased version of Windows. So it was being worked on in the late 90s. It was originally meant to be essentially the first home version of Windows NT. So Windows NT was this, at the time, fairly new branch of Windows that Microsoft had been working on it like since the early 90s. And the whole idea was that it was meant to be more portable, more secure, you know, more stable than the old original DOS-based versions of Windows. So the first release of NT was 3.1 in the early 90s, then we had 3.5, 3.51, Windows NT4. Windows 2000 was Windows NT5, and then this next release was meant to be Neptune. So Neptune's version number when it was in development was NT5.5, which is kind of interesting because Neptune got cancelled for reasons that we're not really aware of, but it was essentially then replaced with Windows XP, which has a kernel version of 5.1. So it's kind of weird because if you, for example, install Neptune, and then you put an XP CD uh, in, the, in the drive, you can't upgrade to XP because XP has a low, technically a lower version number than Neptune. So mm. even though it's a to release, it won't let you upgrade because you yeah, have the version numbers you know, all over the place. So, the like I said with Neptune, the, the the aim was to for it to be the first version of Windows NT that was going to be marketed towards home users. So before this, NT had been marketed exclusively at businesses, and home users were just being marketed Windows 9X at the time, right? So Windows 98, 98SC, and then ME after that, which was the last version of 9X. So yeah, Neptune is really fascinating, mainly because obviously it never got finished; it was cancelled. We don't know exactly how far in development it got, but it seems to have been cancelled quite early on. There's only one build of Neptune, so this is like a development kind of snapshot of Neptune that's ever been made available online, which is built 5.1.1. And yet, even in that one build, it's got so many fascinating things in it, things that, that were there even in the late 90s that we've then not even seen officially in a released version of Windows for you know, a long time after that. So I'll give you a few examples. Neptune is the earliest version of Windows where, well, that we know of, that had the welcome screen. So in right. Windows XP where you have the blue welcome screen, yeah. that came from Neptune. Uh, Neptune was the first version that had an integrated Windows firewall, which again came later in XP. Uh, it was the first version of Windows that had what Microsoft were calling a fast startup option. So this was kind of like Hibernate, but it would be turned on by default. So if you had an NTFS formatted disk, yeah. Turn on this fast start option. That actually came with Windows 8, which was over a decade later. So, I mean, that's just, to me, fascinating that it took yeah. that and to actually, you know, come back to that idea. Uh, Neptune, uh, probably the most famous thing in Neptune that you'll see online is something called the Star Page on the activity centers. So, the Star Page, um, again, the earliest. The earliest we think it, it has been in Windows is Neptune, but it has turned up in some beta versions of Windows ME and Windows XP as well a bit later. But again, it never got to the final releases. So again, this was ne this is still never officially made uh, a released release version of Windows. Unless you might class the start screen in Windows 8 as the same thing, but essentially this was kind of a desktop replacement. So the, it was HTML based, and the idea was that it would give home users quick access to everything that they'd need on their computer basically without them having to you know, go into Explorer, go into folders. So you had quick links to things like Internet Explorer, which is obviously the browser that everyone wanted to use in the 90s. Internet Explorer, <laughs> uh, Express, email, you know, quick links to documents, pictures. Um, and like I said, the idea was to just simplify the user interface for home users. So like I said, Windows 8, the I mean the start screen in Windows 8, to me, I think, that is that that is the same thing like that's that i think the intentions were slightly different in that obviously it was partly meant to be optimized for touch using like tablet devices but i think the idea is the same it was meant to be a desktop replacement that would give you a very easy quick way to get to you know your most used programs or you know folders or you, know, you could customize it however you wanted so yeah the start page 
that would eventually become the Stark Screen organization. Again, that's over a decade later. And then the activity centers finally, sorry, I know it's just so fascinating. Actually. Yeah, 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 go ahead, yeah. The activity centers, uh, this this is a whole own thing as well. So these have never made a released version of Windows, but essentially this was kind of tied into the Star page. So for example, on the Star page, there might be a link to say music. So you'd click music and then you just get this little window and it would just have everything in it that was to do with music. So it would have, for example, access to your music files on your hard disk. It would give you access to play the files. Uh, you know, you'd be able to burn music on CD if you had them in the drive. So the, it's like a task-centered operation. That's how it's usually described. Right? So it's like a little hub, a bit like Windows Media Center, I guess, a little hub specifically for that one type of media and everything that you could possibly want to do with music, for example, would be in that activity center. So again, yeah. just literally, again, trying to make Windows as easy as possible for home users, essentially, that was the whole idea. I would love to see that revived and kind of modernized the same way that they do that hub for Office now. Yeah, I mean... If they were to do stuff like that. Yeah, and I just, like I said, I find it fascinating because there are so many examples of all of these ideas that Microsoft have had in the past that have taken, you know, in some cases, like I said, over, like decades or more to actually appear in Windows. But the idea has been there for yeah. you know, a amount of time. It's just fascinating. It's, I mean, it's crazy. It is. Uh, yeah. Start screen, literally, you could trace that back to the late 90s, if not before that. So, yes. Just and we're still seeing uh, versions of it where they, you can do full screen start. I mean, well, not so much in 11 just yet, but I'm sure we'll get, we'll work our way with more features coming into 11 that allow us to do something similar to that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Uh, our next question. Um, how was the development process from Windows 8 to Windows 10? Like, and let you talk about this as well, just kind of, you know, uh, seeing like, you know, Sanofsky's, you know, super secretive, I want to be Steve Jobs-esque kind of hold on all of the uh, released information about it and the build and things like that, to, you know, kind of what we saw with Terry Myerson was who was like, tested for us because cutting back our staff and we need millions of actual testers and things like that. So what was your opinion on the development process? Um, well, so do you, do you want me to go over what the process was or do you want me to? Just yeah, sure, sure, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so between, so Windows 8 to start with, so this is, came out in 2012, and I'm sure people will be aware that it was not well received at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, That's putting it nicely. Yeah. So, I mean, Steve Ballmer was in charge of Microsoft at the time. So he was overseeing. This was his little baby, I guess. And I think, to be honest, it was a very daring thing to do because it was really, it was changing the core of the Windows user interface, wasn't it? Like, it was just literally almost throwing out everything people had expected from Windows and completely changing it. So yeah, it wasn't well received, difficult for especially keyboard and mouse users because it was very touch optimized. So Microsoft were kind of hedging their bets that tablet devices would be the way forward. At that point in time, around 2012, desktop market share was decreasing basically and tablets were looking like they were going to be the next big thing. Obviously that's not really where we're at now, but that was you know, where we were at the time. So yeah, not well received. So um, Microsoft then pushed this update that they called Windows 8.1, which in itself is interesting just for the like the naming strategy because yeah. that to me that was like a throwback to windows 3.1 yeah but like so unusual at the time because since 3.1 no win no windows version had been named in that way there was no point one for like what, well there years? was never really a need to apologize for the previous releases you're probably right you're probably right <laughs> <laughs> so yeah then we got 8.1 about a year later and then and to me, this was Microsoft saying, basically, you know, we're sorry, I think we went a little bit too far. And then they started backtracking on, you know, some of the big changes. So 8.1, for example, uh, restored the start button, which was famously removed in Windows 8. Then we got the update, update one for Windows 8.1. Isn't Microsoft naming great? It just makes so much sense. <laughs> update one. The worst team. Yeah, so then that brought back window title bars for keyboard and mouse users. It brought back the ability to boot straight to the desktop rather than going to the start screen. It brought, brought back power options on the start screen. 
uh, right-click context menus on the start screen. So there were all these little things that they'd completely taken out to start with. And then it's kind of like, well, well actually, we'll put these back in because, yeah, people obviously don't like, don't like uh, where we're going with this. So I think then Windows 10, it, it, it was good, like you said, I think good in a way that they were much more open about the, de the development. So obviously with the Insider program starting around that time, they were deliberately involving people that were interested in Windows development to obviously get their ideas, get their feedback. So I think that was actually a good thing to do at that time because I think it kind of helped restore a bit of trust in Microsoft and what they were doing. Like It felt like you know they were actually going to listen to what people wanted from Windows rather than just like with Windows 8, literally throwing loads of things out the window and just giving people a start screen and saying, well, there you go, you don't get a start screen. <laughs> so, yeah, I like that aspect. And, I mean, Windows 10, I think that was, again, that was just carrying on with what 8.1 had started doing, which was kind of undoing some of the really controversial changes. So in 10, for example, we did, you know, get back the ability to just by default go straight to the desktop, which is what people had expected for decades from Windows. You, know, you, did, you didn't have to go straight to the start, the start screen. The start menu by default wasn't a, a, a full screen UI anymore. It was back to a little start menu, much more like in Windows 7. So I think for the majority of... Windows users, that was, you know, well, clearly it was much better, you know, better received. It was much more like Windows 7 in that it was what people expected from the desktop operating system. No, I totally agree. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's, I think that would be one of, I mean, aside from the stuff that you report about that becomes, uh, you know, kind of ghost development where like, you know, you see something that was put in code 20 years ago. Uh, for you know, for random reasons, and then we hear a story about like, oh, this developer did it before this reason. I think Windows 8 development would be one of the more modern test cases for you know what could really go wrong with the company trying to do something drastic, uh, and what could go right, you know, or how they steer the ship without like crashing into the iceberg. Essentially, like you know, they managed to, for all intents and purposes, save Windows because uh, 8 was. Or really a downtime, a, a solid five years where the company was kind of flailing to, to find itself. Yeah, and I mean, like I said, I mean, me personally, I think Windows 7 was still, still the pinnacle in usability. You know, it was, it was, it was simple. There were, there were no gimmicks. You know, it wasn't trying to be three different operating systems, three different types of devices all at once. Just a desktop on it. it did what it needed. I I personally blame Windows 8's failures, aside from really bad marketing, bad timing, uh, and some other actual UI issues. And the uh, iPad as well. <laughs> well, not, I, not even the iPad, I think, because the iPad, you know, I would argue that the iPad encouraged them, you know, kind of brought them awesome. in that direction for touch. It was Intel not being able to produce chips that could give them hardware to put this stuff on. Like, you know, if you were to get, you know, you even think about it now, like the surface that it showed up on was like the size of this, like, uh, I don't have it, but it's super thick. It was like a tablet this big, 10 inches, and that's, nobody's going to want to carry that thing the same way they do with an iPad. So they're not going to interact with it uh, constantly the same way they do with an iPad. So without Intel being able to produce hardware or help Microsoft produce hardware or the industry produce hardware for tablet-specific things, they couldn't really lean into it. Like 8.1 could have been, okay, we're going to refine the touch interface even more. Like I, we know you guys don't like it right now, but we're going to keep at it to where it actually makes sense. And in like four or five years, that's all you guys are going to know. Like you're not going to, uh, you know, you, you won't know anything else. You won't, you'll say like, oh, the, the uh, desktop was an antiquated you know, uh, user interface. You know, I'm used to using my phone and the tablet by extension. But instead, you know, they had to kind of backtrack because the hardware wasn't there. Like everything was too clunky, too heavy on the Windows side, and Apple just happened to have that right balance of I can hold it in my hands, so I'm going to use my hands. I mean, it's really interesting because I, I mean, obviously, we don't know what could have happened, but it would yeah. have gone if Windows, if for example, maybe this is what I always say when people ask me. What, like, what do you think Microsoft could have done differently to have made it more successful? I think there were a couple of main things. Firstly, I think people needed to have the option to use the old interface in some way. So just like when 95 came out, when you set up 95 for the first time, you're literally given the option 
to use the Windows 3.1 program manager if you prefer. Yeah. So users had a choice from the beginning. I think if they did that with Windows 8, it would have been less of a what's the word like less of a forced up you know like it wouldn't be forcing people necessarily to adapt this whole new ui and i think people would have been more forgiving about it if they had the, if they had the choice so people that like the start screen and the whole metro thing could have obviously used that fine no problem people that preferred the old windows old windows they could have used that interface as well and they could have maybe used windows 8 as like a stepping stone to like maybe the net you know the in the next version then bring in a bit more of the touch friendly stuff Maybe. Yeah, there's so many what ifs, and we'll have to have you back on so we can relitigate this whole Windows 8 thing. But uh, do you want to ask the next question, uh, Eric? Yeah, we talked a lot about products that Microsoft uh, never came to be. And one thing that uh, came to be and then also never came to be is Windows 10X. So what are your thoughts on the shift from dual screen PCs and Windows 10X to what we now know today as Windows 11? Yeah, well, again, this is interesting because there's kind of a, a this is this is the same sort of situation again, isn't it? So Windows 8, that was all about Microsoft yep. hedging their bets that touch input was going to be the next big thing and, you know, pushing out this big, you know, massive update to Windows to try and accommodate that and get on the bandwagon. I, it was a similar thing that they did here, wasn't it, with 10X? So that, that was the idea that dual screen PCs were going to be the next big thing. And again, they wanted to hedge their bets on this being, you know, the next way that people were going to be interacting with uh, their computers. And obviously, that's not what's happened, probably partly because of the pandemic, which has kind of forced right, yeah. using their desktops, isn't it? But yeah, so, I mean, I, I like the idea of dual-screen PCs, but, again, I, I just think, like I said earlier, people prefer simplicity. Like with Windows 7, it just did what people wanted, and they, did, they didn't expect any more. They didn't want any more. They didn't want any gimmicks or anything. So dual-screen PCs, to me, like for someone like me that's interested in tech, it would be interesting just for the concept to see what you could do with it. But I think for the majority of people, they would rather just have a laptop, you know, or have a desktop with a you know, with a keyboard and mouse, like So, 10x. I mean, we could talk about this all day, couldn't we? 10x. <laughs> 10x. What that was maybe about the fifth time, maybe that Microsoft were trying to make like this light version of Windows that was going to be, right. you know, better to run on lower end hardware and you know, for regular users that weren't necessarily power users, but it never works. I don't know why. Yeah, I, I, I'm always interested in, in trying to figure out why they won't simply just make a Linux version with the UI from Windows. Like, I, and then I mean, I think they may be partly lazy and having to try and explain to users the legacy aspects of like, hey, your drivers won't work with this, your printers won't work with this. If this is cloud only. Like, you know, if they can find a marketing team that could explain that, then I think I mean they are they are Linux friendly. You just take a Linux distro and, and you. Windows it up, and you get that light version that you want. Yeah, exactly. But I think you're right. I think if you're going to call something Windows, people have certain expectations, don't they? So right, they yeah. Their hardware to work. They will expect yeah. to, be able to run any app they want and not have to worry about whether it's a Win32 app or you know, UWP app. So if you're going to call it Windows, it needs to be Windows as it is now. Capabilities. Well, I guess, well, then the alternate solution is to Spin up a company, small one. Don't tell anybody about it, and just infiltrate the uh, Linux crowd with this. Be like, hey, here's our, here's a new version. You know, we're putting it on server. We're putting it on on servers. We're putting, you know, we're letting people use in the cloud. And people are like, oh, this. I really love this version. And you say, hey, this. You know, Microsoft created this company seven years ago, and everyone who's using you know Linux to to run businesses like that are using this operating system. And eventually, you can bring it back over that way. Yeah, I mean, again, it, I mean, it would be interesting. This is something that I thought about. So, what if Microsoft did come up with a, a new operating system that wasn't called Windows, that was completely different, that was, you know, effectively what 10X was trying to do, like this light operating system? That would be super interesting to see. You know, whether that could work. I mean, they have the money, and if you're if you're going to throw the kind of R and D and money behind a Surface Duo, why not try uh, yeah. a much what I would assume would be a less expensive, you know, effort to to do just Linux and and have it be your new spinoff. You know, years later, like this isn't going to be something that 
earns you money immediately. You're not going to license it. You this is something you work on, like you said when they when they do uh, uh, what was it uh, when they started building the seeds for Neptune. I'm like, yeah. we saw that in Windows 18, 15 years later, something like that. So if you have that kind of longevity, start working on it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you mentioned the deal. I mean, I love this idea as well. I mean. I- the duo, I, I, I pre-ordered the original one, and I, I used it for, I think, maybe a few months, and I loved it, but I think the big thing with the duo wasn't, like, it wasn't the dual screen, because I, I love that. That's so useful, especially, like, if, you, if you're one of these people that works, well, you know, having two screens, it's effectively, like, an unfolding tablet, it was great. But for me, it was the camera, like, I was, I was using it as my mobile phone, but the camera was, I mean, in the original duo, it was really bad. So that was the big thing for me. The DO2 I haven't pre-ordered, but it looks like they've actually really improved the cameras. So again, that'll be interesting to see how successful that is, because that's not too far removed, is it? I mean, that is a dual-screen PC, essentially. Yeah. It's just a small one running out I of think, it. Yeah, I think the speculation is that at some point, the reason why they're sticking with this is that they want to throw Windows on it Windows, yeah. down the road. Yeah. Like, so Yeah, which is what a lot of us wanted from the beginning. Yeah. So and, maybe this connects revived later yeah i mean i i've always been a windows phone fan so i mean i i was still using my windows 10 mobile my lumia until 2019 like it was i think it was when whatsapp dropped support but i have to stop using it yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah this whole idea of having like i don't think it was ever meant to be windows 10 mobile but it was meant to be again like a light version of windows wasn't it that would run on this dual screen mobile it was fascinating but yeah obviously then it went android which Again, there are pros and cons on there. Personally, being a Windows fan, I didn't like it. I, I understand why they did that. Well, it's interesting because you got to think about it, the gulf between uh, usability between the, the screen sizes. Uh, you know, you say you have a tablet at 10 inches or whatever. Uh, you know there are certain limitations to that. You're not going to be taking your tablet to go pay for something at the grocery store. But when you have something smaller, you expect those certain apps to come with you. So uh, until Windows can or Microsoft can, and Google can push everyone to PWAs where, you know, that same app will, will travel with you and they can, and it's devoid of the Play Store or Apple Store, then it's going to be really hard for Microsoft to say like, oh, we, we built you a portable thing that you can take with you, but you can't use it in all the uh, same scenarios that you would any other portable device. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's, that was always the problem with Windows 10 Mobile, wasn't it? Just like, yeah, so much so. And something that, Yes. Something that uh, links all of this together is the Windows Insider program. So what are your thoughts on the whole Windows Insider program and giving the public early access to these? Co- well, you can't say secret anymore, but I'll, I'll still say it's secret version of Windows. Yeah, I mean, it was always more fun back in the day, right, when they were secret and then they'd leak online and everyone would be downloading it like, oh, yeah, look at this, look at this, look at this. Yeah, now and that's what happened with Windows 11. It leaked online two two weeks before, <laughs> and then everyone knew Leaks. what to expect. <laughs> right? I forgot. How did I forget about that? Yeah, you're right. It did, and then that was that was that was fascinating. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, like I said earlier, I like the idea that obviously they are involving people, Windows fans like us, in actually influencing potentially how it's being developed. But it's the quality control. I mean, I'm not sure exactly how this works, but it just seems. Since 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 Windows 10, I think the quality of updates to me anyway seems to be lower than in the past. Like there's been a lot of big user problems with updates, haven't there? Like deleting files and other things going on. So it just makes me wonder whether I think we mentioned this earlier, whether they're substituting actual internal testing for you know, insiders testing it instead, which is not quite the same, is it? You need to, I think you need to have an element of testing it internally as well. Well, so I think that's always, that's always been my, you know, put my tinfoil hat on, my conspiracy theory is that uh, in order to uh, speed up the process, uh, I think uh, there were betas for Windows 8. Um, so, you know, this isn't a new concept, so to speak, but they would shut them down for like two or three months before the release so they could polish everything up. That was the idea. And I don't think you know, this constant iteration of, you know, release, 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 then big release, you don't get that same thing. And I don't think they have the teams in place anymore. They're trying to be agile, uh, keep up with Chrome development, keep up with uh, Mac development, uh, keep up with Linux development. They're keeping these teams small and they're outsourcing 
all of the telemetry that they need to get. You know, they, you know, they would have to, you know, use uh, mathematics and a bunch of other kind of things to kind of put together internally what they could, what they could work on. And they would limit that. They would lock it down and say, okay, this is the only way, these are the only types of configurations. We're not going to be allowing all of these insiders to give us input. Like, if you can't fit within these boxes, then you can't get this operating system. Like, uh, and that, you know, kind of led to more secure things. People knew in three or four years they were going to get a new operating system that was only configured to these set of devices at this specific time, you know, and they would talk with manufacturers. Now it's like, you know, Lenovo's got to figure out what the hell they're going to do for like Windows 21H1 and Windows 11 and their driver support and, you know, all this stuff because it's all just kind of just rolling all at the same time. And uh, again, like I said, my conspiracy theory is that they just said, cut the staff for, for testing. We only keep the top engineers who can uh, execute code at a, you know, a specific time and we'll give them promotions based on that. And we'll let all of our insiders just give us the feedback like, okay, what's broken? And we'll triage that based on like, you know, hey, does it break your system? Okay, move on. Even though if, just because it doesn't break your system doesn't mean that it has, you know, it, it isn't big enough to, to, you know, ruin something else. Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, again, I think I personally, I think it was, it worked better when it was a big release of the use. I mean, it, it wasn't that simple. I mean, we got a big release every couple of years, but we had, we did have, obviously, we had updates in between, right? So we, it wasn't like we had Windows 7 for three years and it never got any updates. It did. It got Service Pack 1 and so on. So there, there still was a way to, to um, you know, push out new features. But at the same time, I think the, like, the actual quality control was better in the past when they were doing it that way. But now I think you're right. Now they're just relying on insiders to feedback on them. But that's not going to be, that's you know, not necessarily going to be representative of how these updates will you know, affect other people's pieces. Yeah. I think we got our last question for you. I know. We're getting uh, pressed on time here. Sad, I know we sad don't for me because I love <laughs> Yeah, this is your question, Kareem, so I'll let you get to it. Yeah, um, we were just mentioned just quickly before we got on mic that, you know, you use macOS as well, you use Windows. I just wanted to know what kind of software tools you use and how do you go about collecting your research uh, to create your videos? Okay, I'll try and be quick. We're not going to talk about Windows this time, so I'll be... <laughs> <laughs> oh, we just lost everyone. <laughs> I know. <laughs> No, keep listening. It's interesting. I'll give you loads of good websites to go to if you're interested in, in development. That's good. Uh, yeah, so um, so basically, the, the channel for me has always been about Windows and edu basically education, so just educating about Windows history, Windows development. So I've never, I didn't go into it because I was interested necessarily in video editing or making videos. So in that respect, I've always kept things relatively simple. So I've... The first videos that I put on my channel, believe this or not, this is kind of embarrassing. I used Windows Media Maker, like that's how simple it was. Then eventually, yeah, probably, you're probably right. Then eventually, when I did the whole rebrand and, and went for Windows on Windows in 2014, then I switched to Adobe Premiere Elements, which is what I've used since. And it's basically just a lighter, slimmer version of Premiere Pro. And for me, not being big on video editing, I might only need, you know, I need simple tools like, you know, um, being able to mix the audio and stuff. It doesn't need special effects or anything fancy. So for me, it's, you know, it's been all I've ever needed. So I've just always used that. So Adobe, uh, Adobe Premiere Elements is my video editor. And all my editing is very simple still. I mean, I think probably better than it was, but still simple. Because I think simple, like I said, simple is effective. So simple and then for research there's loads of good websites so BetaWiki is a big one uh, if you're into Windows development they have literally pages on all builds of all versions of Windows so you can be really specific and just say you know I want to go and look at Longhorn build 4074 and it'll tell you all about it you know what data it's compiled what new features it has you'll get screenshots there's a similar website called the collection book very similar they have a lot more screenshots, so if you just want to look at the visuals, they've literally got hundreds for, for every build. And it's fascinating. I could spend all day on you know, the collection. You've got Beta Archive, which is similar again. It's, it does have a wiki, which is similar to Beta Wiki. It also has a forum, so if you're interested in interacting with people, 
you can obviously use the forum there. If you're interested specifically in Windows Longhorn, longhorn.ms is a great website that is all about Longhorn development, which was Windows Vista, for those that don't know, I'm sure people do. And then also, more recently, I'm using Twitter as well, because a lot of people that worked on Windows in the past and present are on Twitter. So people like Jensen Harris, that was one of the developers who worked on Windows 8. Yes. Yeah, he posted tweets about um, the wallpaper, but you know, like the puzzle wallpaper. Yep. So it was like a word coup puzzle that no one ever worked out. I think one person did work out. How to solve the puzzle. Uh, I've been messaging Daniel Oren on Twitter, who is actually the person that invented the start menu and taskbar. Literally that person. So it's just fascinating. And then obviously books as well, to a lesser degree, but these are still useful, especially some of the <laughs> books. Like there's this Bill Gates book here that goes into you know, information about Windows 1's development, which is so long ago, isn't it? It's hard to find information. But yeah, a lot of books, especially on older versions of Windows, have information on those. So yeah, there's loads of loads of sources out there that I use for research that I would definitely recommend to anyone else that's interested. Aside from your own site, if you want to plug that, like, I think people oh, should know about this too. Yeah. <laughs> from my YouTube channel. <laughs> Yes. I mean, if you're not big on reading, and personally, I'm not big on reading, if you <laughs> see the juicy bits, then yes, come to the channel. Come to the channel. Just go to windowsonwindows.com. All the links are there. Link to the channel, all the socials. We've got a Discord server where you can come and talk to people about Windows. It's great. Love it. I do daily Windows facts on my Twitter. So yes, what more could you want? I, I agree. Like I, I give it two thumbs up. because uh, uh, actually put me on there in the last week i think i've knocked out what is this nine videos or so just like it's kind of like my wife goes to bed and i'll turn on youtube and, and <laughs> just like kind of i'm kind of plugging away at other things but the videos are on in the background and i'm like oh that's cool yeah a lot of people say that. i think people people also say that they find them relaxing like my voice is kind of relaxing so very much so have yeah. them on the background when they're doing other stuff and yeah if that if i works for you that's great i love that thank you for the support <laughs> Yeah, I want to say, uh, again, thank you. Uh, thank you for sharing some time with us and bringing uh, all of your acumen uh, to this, this particular podcast today. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the conversation. And I look forward to, you know, maybe uh, in the future uh, having you back on. We can talk about some more Windows stuff or some more uh, Duo stuff or, you know, just stuff in general, what's happening in the UK. Uh, but, again, thank you. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. I have very much. Yeah, I'd love to come back. If you ever want me to walk on about Windows, I'm happy to do that. Thanks so much, Hugh. Really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you for having me. All right. Yeah. I hope everyone enjoyed our guest, you uh, today. Uh, we learned a lot. We learned a lot about him. We learned a lot about his channel. We learned a lot about Windows. Uh, and there's always more. There's always so much more we can learn about Windows. So uh, we, will, we look forward to having him on the podcast again. And in the meantime, please go visit his channel to uh, get educated about all the stuff on Windows. Uh, other than that, you can find me at Mindhead1 on Twitter. Uh, where can people find you? Avac Jern. Yeah, and for all the other news, uh, you can visit our Twitter. It's on Microsoft, uh, on podcast, uh, on Microsoft.com on Twitter. Uh, again, that's where we kind of host our giveaways, our latest features, editorials, uh, reviews, things like that. Speaking of reviews, uh, I have got some Microsoft hardware. Uh, so oh, I got yes, a laptop studio yeah. in his hands. I got the studio uh, and with all its flippiness and whatnot. And I also got the Surface Pro 8 and the Surface Pin 2. So I will be reviewing those. I'm, I've already started pitting it against my P15, uh, which is a loud beast. This thing is super quiet. So already it's got uh, one in the wind column. Uh, I'm also reviewing, uh, like I said, I'm finishing up my review for the AR glasses for ThinkPad. Think Vision, I think, is their brand for that. Uh, and I got a new mechanical lo-fi uh, keyboard, which is super cool. It looks like a a Mac keyboard, but with the much clickier keys. So uh, if you're into mechanical keyboards, but you want something that looks super stylish, uh, I should have that out pretty soon. How about yourself? Uh, I don't have anything much in particular <laughs> planned for the uh, next week. Uh, you you got all the hard, fancy hardware this week. Usually it's me, but this week you yeah. have me upstage there. <laughs> well, you got all this stuff like a month ago. I'm just late. I'm here um, to kind of test this out. I'm, again, I'm going to try and test it out. Uh, a little thorough, thoroughly uh, against like the uh, VivoBook and 
uh, XPS 15s and all the other things that are within this category. Uh, I've even tried to teach myself Premiere and uh, Resolve just so I can do some of the benchmarks that you know you you people all use. I know normally I use Filmora, but I'm going to try and uh, get all of you know, Photoshop and all of the editors and try and push this thing so it screams and it heats up and I can tell you whether or not this is a good choice for you. And uh, for you guys, our viewers who managed to stick around for one hour uh, and our, our, throughout our full chat with Hugh from Windows on Windows, we have a special treat for you guys. Uh, thanks to our friends at uh, at uh, Stardock and uh who are the new p people behind Start 11, we have a giveaway for you guys. Uh, Start 11 is a great way to customize Windows 11 in ways that Microsoft won't let you. You could bring back the old style Windows 10 start menu. You can move your taskbar to the top of the screen. You can make your start screen full screen, just like it was in Windows 10. And for people on Windows 10, you could make Windows 10 look like Windows 11. So it's a very special piece of software and I know uh, Brad Sams is now working at Stardock and we hit him up and he gave us uh, three codes for the app. So for our special on podcast viewers, we have a link. Uh, we'll share it and we'll pin it in the comments. You could enter our giveaway and we'll announce the view, uh, winners ne on next week's episode. Yeah, um, I, I feel like it's is it was it rain meter. Was that what it was called? The like software that could like make Windows look and do all kinds of crazy things. I feel like Stardock's like the more polished official version of this. So uh, again, if you were interested in tinkering with your own uh, operating system and making it look and feel the way you want, please uh, try and get one of these codes. All right, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Uh, we hope to see you again soon. Same place, same time. Have a great weekend. Stay safe, and uh, we'll see each other in person soon. All right. Bye-bye.